0: so here's what happened is a proud member of the but why though podcast community yes okay hey guys welcome to another episode of secrets what happened as always i'm your host nisha and i'm joined by my lovely co-host carolyn yeah Hi. Hi. we are back I know it's been a while thank you everyone who tuned into our last episode where Kate was on and we discussed Black Panther actually our two-parter episode so if you have not watched it and if you have or if you have not watched the movie yet You might enjoy hearing our thoughts on it beforehand. We did give spoiler warnings, but yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, please go give it a watch um, and give it a listen and let us know your thoughts on the movie after you see it too. But this week, we're back to normal as usual, and we're just going to talk about the things that we have watched and read and that we think you guys would find interesting or maybe not interesting. Most of mine is pretty positive for the most part, but- (laughs) we can dive right on into how do you want to do do you want to start back with reading tv or film
1: let's go with um reading since you're the only one with something for to read i don't sense i
0: don't have a book recommendation this summer so let's go with you start with you, what do you do? no problem um in true nisha fashion i have been reading webtoons again well i have never stopped reading webtoons but i have a new webtoon for y'all to check out it is called maybe meant to be it is mm-hmm. a romance and it is a webtoon um so again you guys this is free you can go read it on the webtoon app download it if you have it or read it on the website but maybe meant to be had oh. it features <laughs> hi yoko it's fine i feel like yoko is the um like unofficial or honorary third guest the third host of Our this podcast mascot. okay give me a minute you talk and i'll just Sure. okay no worries so yes uh, Maybe Me to Be it's about Jia Han a 32 year old freelancer with no work is tired of her parents nagging her to get married and finally move out when she runs into her childhood friend Jin who is also feeling the same pressure from his parents she blurts out that they should just get married to solve both their problems little did she know she'd accept her he'd accept her suggestion and suddenly finds herself thrust into marriage a story of an unexpected romance that I'll have you scrolling for more and yes it does this is definitely set up to be a K drama. this
1: is one of my favorite tropes (laughs) in ever like when like people are like okay that a marriage a convenient slash contract marriage Mm -hmm. when it's done really well they're one of yes. my favorite tropes and i love i'm so happy we're missing i'm gonna put this on my list when you put it out i'm yes. gonna make this part of my reading my christmas reading break list because i love that trope I love it's it a so great
0: much. trope because it just works really well when it, it it works well when it's done well and you have interesting characters oh i'm sorry to mention this um the story is written by and these are their um handles on mm-hmm. webtoon it's honey Skiin. So it's like H O N E Y S K E I N is that is the writer and the art is done by Damcho. Hmm. So check them out. They have some other works on there. But so far, I've really been enjoying this. Like we already mentioned, like clearly this is well, clearly this is set up like one of our favorite K drama tropes. It does take place in Korea um so there's going to be that kind of feel so if anyone who's ever watched or read a k a a manwa or k drama you're going to see some similar tropes going on here there's more than one romantic couple so Mm -hmm. there's some there's like a side story with another one that's it's it's not there's always a second couple but i will say it's not boring sometimes i feel like the side couple can sometimes either be more interesting than the main couple Or they can be not as entertaining. I will say there's a nice balance of it for all around. So it's like it works because the whole, the title, maybe meant to be, is kind of like you have Gia, who is just like, she's a 32-year-old freelancer without work and she's tired, she just feels stuck. And when you meet her, you feel like that's it. There's not much to her that she's just lazy and all this other stuff, but then there's more that gets revealed to you about her past. Like she actually used to be like a famous writer mm-hmm. and like she won awards, but then she just stopped. So there's the mysterious element of like, okay, well, why did she stop? Like, what happened? And then you have Jin, and his full name is Minchul Minchulin. Sorry, I cannot say because it it's like it's Min Chiol Chio. So Minchul Minchul. Minchil yes Minchil, it's but it's yeah, like but so in my mind I keep want to say Mitchell so I have to like well, sound yeah. it you know if they
1: were actually to do like a westernized version Mitchell would probably be the, Ang- the Anglicanized version of it but it would be Minchil so it's yeah. C-H-Y-U-L or oh it's the same uh, yeah yeah, but yeah Minchil, so
0: yeah And he comes off as like the otaku gamer, but he's like very into fitness and working out. But like when they were kids and like childhood friends, she stuck up for him and they would hang out together and they used to play at each other's houses. So it's obviously revealed that he was in love with her way back then. She had no idea. But when they got to junior high... That's when they kind of just split paths. She acted, she ignored him and didn't act like he existed anymore. Once they got to junior high and she started to talk to other boys. Um, because people start to look at him, look at him as being weird. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm really curious to see more of his backstory and his feelings. Cause it's clear that he has always loved this woman from when they were children to now, and he's still in love with her. This, but
1: this plot sounds. Kind of similar to romance, um, is a bonus book. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, cause like, she, well, the difference is romance is a bonus book. Is it's a new, it's considered a new romance. So that's like where she's the the female lead is older than the than the thing mm-hmm. lead. But they kind of work this. They, it's kind of similar in that he, in that she, and, and romance is a bonus book. She was a writer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she kind of like um, but then she got married and kind of like lost herself through marriage. And then she had to like, they got, she got divorced, person and then she had to like rebuild herself again. So it's mm-hmm. kind of so similar-ish. And like, he was always in love with her and he never told her that he was mm-hmm. in love with her. And so he kind of watched her with unrequited love from afar.
0: Like, yeah, there's a lot of that with other characters too, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it seems like someone had feelings for this person, but they never confessed to them. Later on, at some happenstance, it hap- they, the feelings come out. But with like our main couple, it's like, Gia is now starting to realize that she does have feelings for him and like but she's trying to explain the way like how can I be attracted to him how could I be interested like this and what about that but then it's like she notices things about him like how he's very caring and like he's observant and he he's a good listener and he takes care of her and it's like she's very much the um Sunder type character where it's Mm -hmm. like uh She's not mean in the sense of like trying to be like hurtful to him. It's just like, I think it's her way of protecting herself. So I'm like, so far, there's only 34 chapters. Y'all can read them on Webtoon, as I mentioned before. I really enjoy it. I think it's like, I think it's a really well-paced story, Mm -hmm. but I'm, things are starting to heat up (laughs) because like the latest chapter is a kiss should be more of a dot, dot, dot and like this one people actually kiss i will say that you actually see kissing there's not going to be this long drawn out season of nothing
1: me and k grandma's release gotta wait till episode 10 for them to Mm -mm. act with their feelings then you gotta wait till like episode 11 or 12 for some silly little kiss and then it's like oh but then they break up over some ridiculous misunderstanding. Then they have to come back together. And then there's only like resolution in like the last chapter, which is like-
0: Kills me. It always kills me. And I'm just like, I, Kate actually mentioned a recent K-drama on Netflix where they actually have sex. I'm just like, yo, I I need more K-dramas and like just romances in general, romantic comedies, dramas, like rom-com dramedies, whatever you want to call them. I need- them to do that more <laughs> and it's not for like the it's not for like ones to see the sex it's just like can we be for real like I like romantic comedies I really do but I yeah. and I watch and I love I enjoy watching terrible ones for Hallmark with my sister but I'm like can we really be for real like y'all are 30 something mm-hmm. these people don't have sex right
1: they they get they they kiss and then all of a sudden they get together and that's the end of the film. That's like, I watch. They kiss and film. say I love you.
0: I'm like, hold on, hold on. But the men don't on. even really
1: say they love you. Like the women just like it's just assumed. Like the men say I have feelings for you. I've always had feelings. They never actually say I love you.
0: Like, I was right. watching
1: this Christmas Hallmark movie the other day by my friend, and like this whole thing is like he's had it's the same thing where he had unrequited um, love for this girl for like his entire life. And like she always only saw him as a friend, and like then like he started doing like this secret admirer gift thing where he was giving her gifts, and all these gifts are extremely personal gifts where like only someone who really really knows her would give her a gift like this. And it's yeah. like ten gifts, and she for so no seven because it was um it was seven gifts because it's seven because it's, it's like she's Jewish so it's like the seven candles for the menorah. But I'm like, how do you not guess that the person giving you these gifts? is someone who is very close to you like, and the only person that's very close to you that's a male is your best friend right there how do you not guess it's him because and like she's dating and she's like going on these dates with these like these three other men and she's like could it be one of these like how could it be one of these many these men you just they don't you? know you a few they, ago. they don't know you like so like and then they only get together right at the end of, in the last five
0: minutes of the film and i what it's really, I like to just make it a drinking game at this point, because, it, and we did this before when we made a bingo card, <laughs> like, I think two years back, we made our bingo card of, like, uh, romantic comedy holiday tropes, because it's just so predictable, so I like the ones that can actually catch me off my guard, but I'm like, yeah. can we just be for real, and could we make sure the existence of people knowing that, like, yes, people have sex, and honestly, it's not normal to say I love you after four days of being in your hometown and you see your high school sweetheart and you just have all these feelings. I'm like, come on. I don't know. You don't no. know this person. This is love bombing.
1: I, exactly. It's, and that's something that I always think about. OK, like we're supposed to assume it's happening ever after with these people. I'm like, OK, you kiss. And you like confess for but I'm like, are these people even sexually compatible? Like I always think about this. Are you sexually like, compatible? Are these even sexually compatible because we don't see them have any kind of actually sexual or romantic interactions, and not just kissing. I mean, like heavy making out or whatever. Like we we're just supposed just to see t- these people. Where is the sexual tension?
0: Where is Where's the energy? Like none
1: of them have sexual tension. None of these films. None.
0: None of them, and it's just like. I just question because I'm like, wow, the girl, the busy businesswoman with a job, and she just got a great promotion, gives it all up to move back to her hometown during Christmas to be with the man that she says she loves. Do you love him? Was it worth giving up your career? Sis? And they fall, yeah, right? And they fall in love together over the Christmas holiday. i is like never thought of christmas being this i've honestly never thought of christmas being that romantic honestly I just, Uh, i just feel like people have tried to shoehorn romance into christmas for years i'm just like i think of christmas as like a fun time together with friends and family i don't think of christmas as a time to get engaged or married you are selfish if you get married on christmas because guess what i'm not going i'm not going to your wedding exactly I blame, I
1: blame all the white people who make these Hallmark and Lifetime movies trying to romanticize Christmas. Christmas is stressful for the majority of people. And not only that, they're always like, how do you actually have time to build a relationship with someone and say, I love this person. You've never actually been in any real situations with them outside of this Christmas setting.
0: Right. I like the ones I will say, and maybe like me and Carolyn were talking before we started recording that maybe that we should just like come up with a list of our essential wash list. But I will say there have been some recent in the recent years, like the happiest season is one that I think is a great example of like a romantic comedy Christmas movie. But mm-hmm. it's not about the ones for me. It's like, it's not about two strangers coming together and falling in love. It's about like either already having an established relationship or like cuz in the happiest season um i can't remember the characters names but it's focused on these two women like they've been in a relationship and you see like through, you see their relationship through the years in the in a mm-hmm. montage in the beginning and like the whole the plot like the real thick plot of it all is that the one girlfriend did not come out to her parents ever and they're like, the, the, they're like in their thirties. So it's like mm. a story about, that's what the story about. Well, the parents and their thought they were just
1: best friends all of
0: these years? No, they've only been together for a year. So this is when she's introducing oh, okay. her to her family. So, and her girlfriend didn't know that until they were like on their way there so she's like so what are we supposed to do like are you trying to make me go high? like so like and it's a really good conversation like this is the complex that this is the complex story that we deserve when we talk about Christmas time and families and relationships this is good and it's very like I I don't know that's refreshing and even like I'll talk about the one that I watched but spirited I think is also another good one like I mean yeah, we can get into it later. Yeah, let me like no just transition
1: episode. into spring, um, into spirited yeah. and you can that way we
0: can transition into the film chat. Okay, cool. So going into the film chat, um, I watched Spirited. It is the new it's the new holiday movie that Apple TV came out with, or Apple TV Plus, my bad. Um, but basically the synopsis is imagine Charles Dickens' heartwarming tale of Scrooge visited by four ghosts on Christmas Eve, but funnier. And with Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds and Octavia Spencer, also huge musical numbers. Okay, we're asking a lot. Maybe just watch the trailer. <laughs> but no for real. That's it. That, that how it is described. And as someone who's not, um, I won't say I'm not a musical fan because I do like some musicals. Typically what I find out, um, find out on UV is a musical. I'm usually like, eh. Okay, mm-hmm. let's see what Wait, the first this
1: movie two. is. Them- is a musical? Yes. I did not, like, I did not
0: know that. Did I know that? I don't think I did. No, no, I didn't know that until I pressed play either. Like I I saw that there was some singing and dancing and I thought like, oh, it might just be one number. No, imagine like it's all a huge stage production but it's not, But there's no stage. Every, the mm-hmm. entire set is the stage because you're going to see things and elements that like, they really pulled stuff from like stage productions and Broadway that you would see happening in musical, like people dressed in all black and moving things around and moving sets around okay. and, and like even setting it up like that. Cause the whole synopsis is like, or the, the plot is Will Ferrell is a ghost. Mm-hmm. He's one of the Christmas ghosts that come to visit Ryan Reynolds' character to change him and basically the it's the story of scrooge but with a more modern and updated twist and not like bill murray's scrooge which i just watched and that one's funny (laughs) but problematic but i digress it's i like what they did with this one because the whole point that like the ghosts are trying to do is that they're like we're trying to help change people and make them better and see the error in their ways so basically the idea is like you know how, like, with the Good Place, mm. think of the, how the good, the Good Place, and A Christmas Carol met, and it's like you have the ghosts who are trying to show people the error of their ways so that they can be better people and live a better life and make a difference. Because to them, when they do this, it causes a ripple effect. Because mm-hmm. if you, if one person can change what they do, then the, then that can add on to the next and on to the next and on to the next. Similar to like the original. A Christmas Carol by yeah. doing a simple act of good and being good you can help others and that can in turn help someone else so <laughs> we have that going on so it's like this big production literally happening behind the scenes with the ghost and then you have Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell which like I do not think they have been in a movie together in like years I don't even know if I can't remember the, the, the movie they've been in together like like, start headlining it together yeah, at the same thinking, level. Yeah, I can't
1: think of mine.
0: I can't think of it. They're perfect together. Like, it's really, like, their energy is really funny together. <laughs> um, this movie, I would say, is something that people will probably, if you're looking for something, like, more refreshing for the holiday season, it's a, it's not like the other ones are problematic ones that we mentioned already. It's not predictable. I'll just put it that way. It's not a, It's not your predictable christmas movie and the songs are really good there's my favorite one I is good afternoon said that. <laughs> yes well because like, my fa- i say it, I- but do i really believe it <laughs> no, no no i mean it the songs are good i was just thinking of my favorite one that is good afternoon because i don't want to give a spoiler away and it's like a pretty big spoiler but like i feel like by watching the movie in the first 15 minutes people will guess it so I I say watch it if you have Apple TV Plus. um even then, like Apple TV Plus, you can always get a trailer. You can not trailer. You can get a a trial for one week, so you can watch a lot of stuff in one week.
1: Yeah, you see, I I'll, I'll be honest. Like I am not the biggest fan of Ryan Reynolds, and Will farrell for me can be hit or miss. And the reason for I I kind of like Will farrell is particular roles, like in films, like um, was it the car racing one? Um, so oh, thought, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. He was Ricky Bobby. Like, yeah. those kind of, and like Dodgeball. I like those kind of films. But, and I could see why actually Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds work because as you said, they have similar energy and they have a similar acting mm-hmm. style. But also... I'm here hacking up along because apparently I'm allergic to my dog as uh, I mean you it in here. yes my, oh, my no. doctor was like I had to do a whole bunch of tests and they were like do you have a dog I'm like yeah does your dog live with you I'm like yeah but I've had those before but your dogs weren't living inside with you I'm like yeah he's like you're allergic to your dog oh <laughs> and she sheds and she sheds and she sheds like she owes someone at some fur or something <laughs> but I digress but um but my thing I the reason I don't really like Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds as a performer is to me he plays the same type of role and same type of character which is basically himself he plays oh. himself in all his roles You're since that Dead, since Deadpool he has played every single role as from like the not even from not even yeah from the first Deadpool film and even when he did the whole the whole cameo in the Wolverine film you know where he had his face and everything stitched up. Oh yeah, he has been playing every single role since then exactly the same way. Like the other day, and it was like I might be too judgmental, but no. The other day, my sister was watching Green Lantern,
0: and and she
1: said the same thing. She's like, she's like, this guy is playing himself in all his roles. He's like, Green Lantern is no different to Deadpool. the only difference is the costumes and the name. I will say
0: this: like, Ryan Reynolds is one of the few actors that, for me depending on what the story it's first off it's about like what the character in the story is about but it's like yeah no he's definitely just like playing deadpool but there's some moments in this where you'll see that like him you'll see a different side to him that like he can like have he like he does have the ability to do more than just be the snarky asshole like because i mean but i think that's why people just hire him to keep i think he's just gotten typecasted at this point where it's like we need a snarky asshole it's not like when Chris Evans was in Knives Out and when people saw Chris Evans be an asshole for the first time and they're just like, whoa, I did not know That's he could thing. do this.
1: Chris Evans can, Chris Evans can actually act. Like I've seen him in other roles. Like There's this film mm-hmm. that he directed, that he wrote and directed himself. And he was really good in that film. It's a little cliche, but he was really good in that one. Oh yeah. But to me, but Ryan Reynolds, to me, I'm just like, I can't yet with him. Like, I can't see him outside
0: second. of Deadpool.
1: I, I can't because like, he plays his roles. He's one of those actors that when you see them in the role, I can't not think of this as not Ryan Reynolds. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't see the performance.
0: I can't and see honestly, the character. If I can't animals, tell. This Ryan Reynolds playing a role. And I honestly feel like there's some films that work for him in his, fa- in his favor for that. But then there's gonna just like, there's just some that are not. This is one of those films that work for him in his favor. Cause like, I think that's kind of just the joke of it all. But I agree with you. It's kind of like how, have you seen Bob's Burgers? The cartoon?
1: Yeah. I've only seen like a few um, episodes of it. Yeah, but, but I, you know but the yeah.
0: voice of Bob, I think it's John B. Benjamin or something. John H. B- John H. Benjamin, the mm-hmm. voice of Bob. He's literally the same voice for all of his characters. Yeah. But I feel like the difference is, some, like it's the way he affects his voice. Or like changes his tone or like, no, that's Bob and that's Archer. Or like, I know that character and it's like, like, he's this character. So it's like, it's the same person that does Archer? Yeah, he's the same person. The same voice as Bob is the same voice for Archer. So it's like, but I think that's the perfect example of like, his voice is very recognizable and iconic, but it's about how you afflect your tone and like, what is the character type where it's like, Archer is an asshole. Bob is a sweet man who is trying his best to keep his burger shop open, and they're very different characters. So it's like for our audiences, for an example, compare that with Ryan Reynolds. It's like, yeah, he has moments where like he can show he has a more depth to his acting chops, but at the same time, like this is not a character that goes far with, beyond that realm. Yeah, it's not. not it's vocal. not. Yeah, it's not quite Deadpool, but. He is still being that jerky snarky asshole because the character is a jerky snarky asshole but with a heart at the end
1: Eh. but I will say watch it I might not I'll just be honest people I probably won't because like I haven't even watched the second Deadpool film partly because I have issues with the fact that that woman was killed on set and like it didn't it wasn't made an issue I'm like uh no um but that's a different story but that's Nisha's recommendation, spirited. Mm-hmm. And like there will be many people who will watch it because like people love there are people who love um Will Farrell and Ray Reynolds. I listen, I don't have a really I don't really have a problem with Will Farrell. He's funny to me. Like yes. I do enjoy his Yoko. She wants to play because she's here rolling
0: over trying to get me to rub her belly. I'm not playing with oh. you. It's oh. not playtime. Like Fine. this is like you need to listen. <laughs> um, but okay, so. Yes. So that is my recommendation for the, you know, holiday viewing viewing pleasure, whatever, or watch it whenever. But (laughs) um, away from my movie list, um, how about Carolyn? You you had two films you wanted to talk about. Yes, I have two films. I won't talk about them them very long. So I have two films kind of broken down
1: into like similar, like not necessarily holiday, but it works as a holiday um, film. And then one that's not holiday, but it kind of If since this episode that we're recording technically is also our October, November, um, (laughs) September also um, episode, this one is kind of like would fit into October because it has like more of like a Halloween thriller vibe but I'll start with that one because then I'll transition into the happier film. So the one that I'll talk about, I'll start with is that's a thriller, it's called Project Wolf Hunting. It is a Korean film, and it screened, I saw it at TIFF while I was covering TIFF, and it, is, it was written and directed by Kim Hong-sun, and it stars So Hing-gook, who's like one of my favorite K-pop stars, and he's also a great actor, Actor, um, and also Jang Dong-yoon, Chae Gun-hwa, Sung dong Il, and this film is bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Hey, when I tweeted about this film, I, the first word that I used to describe this film is unhinged. And extra, like this film is so extra. So before I get into that, I'll just read you the synopsis of it. So um, it's mm-hmm. Bl- Bloody Bedlam breaks out on the high season in um, writer-director Kim House's gnarly action thriller that pits cops versus cons aboard a cargo ship with a sinister secret in its cargo hold. So <laughs> this film, when you read the synopsis, it doesn't prepare you for what this film is at okay. all. <laughs> The trailer also does not prepare you for what this film is, and bloody action is like also the perfect description for this film. Because okay, the only other film that I've seen that has used this much fake blood is a Taiwanese film <laughs> that showed in twenty eighteen. Also, Tiff, um, no, it was that active? No, that's, that one was that real Asian, uh, <laughs> and this film project was funding. So I want to know what their budget was for for, for fake blood. Cause mm-hmm. it, the the set was just covered in it. Like, oh, so this is like a hyper violent thriller. Hyper violent, but it's um, it's gory, but not gratuitous. But yeah, kind of like I would call it gratuitous gore, but the gore makes sense for the story like nice bullet movie.
0: train kind of. I haven't seen bullet train, but probably. I like. I start. I started watching it last night, and I was just like, okay, so it's not like, not Kill Bill level, like not Uma Thurma. Oh, no, this is in the middle of the pus, dance floor. This put Kill Bill
1: to shame. Oh, okay, never mind. It,
0: for the, for fake blood, this puts Kill Bill to shame. Kill Bill,
1: Shane. Kill like Bill, like problem.
0: in the scene where she's literally break dancing in the pool of blood. Yes. Oh, I go on.
1: This also,
0: and, and so this film you can find it on Vicky,
1: but it's also it was released by the U.S. distribution is by walgo USA, so you can go on their site and find this film. So basically, and this is me telling you this is even going to spoil the film because, like, this is really one of those films where you have to watch it to understand what the hell I'm talking about. So, Mm -hmm. there's like the the way to describe this character is probably closer to the original Deadpool iteration that we saw in in, in, the Wolverine film, where like he he doesn't talk because his mouth has been screwed. Um, So, this is I still don't even really understand because there has to be a part two to this film, has to be. So, it's like this man, this prisoner who was experimented on he's like a genetic mutation so he's like super strong fast mm-hmm. and like deadly and it has this kind of like this mindset it's like it's only a killer like once it locks onto you it will kill you any way that it can and in the most violent and bloody way possible so it's like this cargo ship of these P- these ex that were being deported from different asian countries and they're being sent back to south korea so like there is like the cons and the and the cops who are transporting them and you think at first oh it's gonna be a it's like it's a, a kind of like a conflict between cop and cons but then this thing this person this human this being just mm-hmm. like de- wakes up and like it's like cops and cons all oh, everybody gotta like fight this thing because like you who really is you don't have time to be t- looking at a cop as your enemy when you got this thing about here ripping people's heads off his shoulders right and, I'm, and like you cannot like there's no way to predict who's gonna die and who will be making it to the end of the film because there are characters I thought that would make mm. it to the end of the film, and it was like, Nope, you're gonna get taken out just like that. And I was like, Okay, I can respect this, I can respect this. when the director was like, Don't don't get attached to anybody
0: <laughs> because <Basically>. oh, okay,
1: <laughs> don't get attached to anyone in this darn film. So, like, and that's what I like about it. It's like it's super bloody and gore, but it's that's all it is, and like there's some films where they de- it actually does have like if you look at the, it it talks a bit about politics and it's talking mm-hmm. a bit I think about the, the relationship between um, Japan and South Korea like because like Japan co- um, they colonized Korea in like the 1800s and they were imperialists in South Korea like they it's like a whole history so the film kind of goes into that I think in a very smart very subtle way because for a lot of people they'll think oh it's just blood guts and gore, and it's like mindless action which it is but if you look at the way how there are certain things that are mentioned the film actually does have a message as well, but it's also just like ridiculous action, and I I can appreciate that because sometimes every film doesn't have to be a Marvel, every film doesn't have to be a DC film, every film doesn't yeah. have to be like super high budget, or whatever. Sometimes some films are just like, re just good fun, and this film is that for me. I was like, this film is ridiculous, hmm. it's extra, it's bonkers, like what the hell is going on? That's <laughs> that would be the first question I would answer there if I ever got to interview him. What okay. What was happening, <laughs> sir? What was going on here? <laughs> and so that's I that's what I really like about it. It's just ridiculous madness. It's extra for no reason.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm here for the extra. Like, just like I it's it's a fine balance of like something can like you were saying earlier, something can be gory and gratuitous, but like if it can serve the purpose in the film versus like it's not like it's hostile. Mm-hmm. like and like for people who know what Hostel is i only made it through the first 15 minutes of that movie and then i had to peace out so it's not like you know there's movies where it's just like gore is just gory for the sake of like the shock value yeah and i feel like from what your description it's not it's just like this film is extra
1: yeah think of it more like a judge dread robocop okay. kind of thing so that's that's the way i would look at i would kind of put it in almost like in that genre are a similar vein. you know like all those 80s yeah. and early 90s action movies were, were kind of like that so I would say it's kind of like that so again that is Project Wolf Hunting you can find it on um, I believe it's on Vicky but also on wellgousa.com <laughs> it's like just good for ridiculous action time and then the second film that I talk about this one is uh oh this film is adorable I think it's one of my favorite films for the year it's called Marshall, Marcel the
0: Shell with Shoes On I have and, kept hearing about this. Please tell me about it.
1: It is so cute. So, this is a film written, directed, and also starring um, by Dean Fleischer Camp. And it's like this documentary style film. Mm. And I had no idea what. Again, this is one of those films that when you when you read the synopsis, or even if you look at the poster, you see this poster of this cute shawl with this big eye and like cute shoes. And you watch, like, what the hell is this film? Gonna be? But are you watching? You're just like, oh my God, this is the most endearing film ever so oh. it's basically about this man played by dean fleischer camp who's also they said also the writer and director he breaks up with his girlfriend and he goes to stay in this airbnb mm-hmm. and while he's there he discovers this little shop that's and it like it talks and it moves and it has a whole life and like this shell has built a life in this house
0: and oh. he's
1: and like this shell, like it can, it has like a little bed. It has its own bedroom. It has this little tennis ball that it uses to get around. Like it gets, it hops in the tennis ball and rolls around the house. And like Aww. that's how it gets to different places in the house. And it has like a garden and like different cute, different ways to get around. And it and his grand and this cat and this shell, which it, who's voiced by Jenny Slate, also oh, lives yeah.
0: there,
1: also lives there with his grandmother, played by Isabella Rossellini. And his mm-hmm. grandmother is called um, Connie. And so, like, um, the, ca- the character Dean gets to talk to Marcel. He's like, tell me about your life. And he's, and so, like, he, and he starts to film Marcel. And, like, as I says, like a documentary stuff. So he starts to film Marcel, ask Marcel questions about, how do you do this? Tell me about your life. And then you discover that Marcel and his, and his grandma Connie are the only people that are left in their community, in their family, because one day, the people that lived, the couple that lived in the house mm-hmm. had a huge fight. And somehow Marcel's family ends up being taken away by the oh. husband who moved out. And so it's just like, and so this film is such a, I think it's such an endearing and such a sweet film about grief and loss from the perspective of a child. And also mm. how children, especially if you live with a grandparent, like how children have to adapt to looking after a person who's aging, you know, a person who's yeah. getting older and who's getting sicker. And it, talk, so it talks a, a lot about the pressures of children and the resiliency of children like children are very resilient people think that children but are able to bounce back from a tragedy yeah. are they able to bounce back from losing a fan from losing family or losing a friend or moving to a new location or even like you know you losing a pet yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry yeah, I'm going Diwa Yoko and so the film like this isn't a revelation that Dean comes to you know mm-hmm. this is what the, uh, the this is a revelation that the audience will come to as you listen to the things that Marcel tells Dean and you realize that while Marcel seems like a very happy-go-lucky lucky child he's very lonely and he feels very isolated and he feels very confused because right. he doesn't know where his family went you know he doesn't know where all his friends and all on all his community went he's mm-hmm. like he's like I don't know where they went I don't know where they gone. so he's like feeling with this um this sense of loss and then like Dean, he said he's like okay, let me help you look for your family. So like they do this whole internet thing, and like Marcel becomes an internet sensation, and they're like okay, let's ha- ask people to help us find my family. And people instead of helping Marcel find his family, they begin to like basically just look at him as this cute entity that they can like you know become like famous on social media for, for interacting uh, with like the
0: sensationalize, yeah exactly so the mm-hmm. film
1: also talks about the sensationalization of tragedy and how mm-hmm. people on, on social media like turns people's tragedy into something for their own personal thing and how yep. like when someone asks for help people don't actually really help they just like oh interact with people because they think it'll make them famous or, or they'll be just like oh this is just a cute story whatever
0: mm-hmm. so the film
1: also very smartly tackles that but then, um, I, so I just love that it does that. And this film, I really want to interview Dean because I can't figure out if this is all stop-motion animation or, or if it's done through complete VFX for Marcel. Like, a lot of it has to be VFX, of course, but, I, like, the VFX right. for this film is, like, seamless. You can't tell, really, what's real and what's not real. So, like, as I said, like, Marcel and his grandmother, they have a garden, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, is everything that we see in the garden real? Or is this all VFX? Or did they actually have like a little, a little Marcel and film do like stop motion animation, filming Marcel doing all these things, like rolling around in the tennis ball, using right. a thimble to um, to like to, to like as like to get water, you know, like he like all and it also talks about the ingenuity of how like you have these things, like just random things hanging around your house, like a pencil or a paper clip. Or a piece of string, like what could these pieces of random things be used to help to to help someone? Mm -hmm. You know, like we could just see a piece of string hanging around, but for Marcel, he's like, I can use the string to help me get something done. So I think the film is also really ingenious talking about that the imagination of children, like children are super inventive that way, right? Like it's just so sweet, and it's perfect. And um, I don't, I think it's, I don't think it's on Apple TV. It had, it was released in the theaters? It was released by A24. So it's probably Mm -hmm. available through for rental through their site, but
0: i probably. It wasn't the. I'm pretty sure like the Marcel the Shell used to be just like a YouTube channel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I know, I was aware of like Marcel the Shell before, like about a movie that. So I was like, oh, did they turn the YouTube thing? I'm trying to see like, or like it wasn't an original. I'm looking it up yeah there's an original film in 2002 it was a short film it was a short and comedy yeah um film, probably. yeah oh yeah. I did not know that but it's the, a- and then like the people I always remember people because when I was in college my roommate talked about Marcel. she would like quote the the shell and I was mm. just like I don't know what this thing is <laughs> but then like she showed it to me once I'm like oh that's adorable
1: but that's the thing that's also the other thing like Marcel is very snarky I love the dialogue for Marcel even for Connie like um like they're very Mm -hmm. um shady (laughs) and very snarky and they say things that you and like Marcel shades the hell out of Dean sometimes like he was talking about oh he was like he was like Dean if your life was all that great you would not be sitting in an Airbnb you would not be here (laughs) that kind of thing (laughs) like okay right and he was like, "You don't." Know, I'm like, "He's like, do you have your life together, Dean?" <laughs> Did mm-hmm. I this? Like oh, child, but this is how children speak. because children will children will read you for I know Look, two ways about it, right? They don't.
0: They don't. Literally, my sister is a PE teacher now at one of her schools, and she was out sick, and she came in with her glasses on, and the kids were like, "Guys, Miss Campbell got blinded. That's why she wasn't here today." Mm-hmm. And it's just like. And like all day, them kids just kept asking about the glasses. Like, you look so different. You look better without your glasses. And they're like, they mm-hmm. just—they're just, they're just so innocent, and they don't mean it as an insult. <laughs> they just—they don't. Care. They say what they—they they just be saying. They're like, you look older. You look like an older woman. I'm like, wow exactly children don't care about your feelings at
1: all do like, i used to work i used to work with the, um, kids in kindergarten um out of school i'm like they would tell me about my hair They were like look at that outfit they were like are you sure about that color of that shirt sure? um i'm
0: like i think i am right i had a child tell me like are you sure that's a good color on your nails i'm like little girl if you do not go find your mama <laughs> right? like shush and not, don't have me second guessing my nails right like But like, no, but
1: Marcel Deschamps, which she was on, this, this, um, I is, I believe it is honestly one of my favorite films of the year. It's so funny. It's so endearing. And like the, um, the, as I said, animation for it is like seamless, Mm -hmm. like really good. And the, and the themes, like I said, it talks about loss. It talks about loneliness, the resiliency of children, also the trauma that children have that people don't think of as trauma. Like loneliness can be a sign of trauma as well, or feeling isolated isolated so um and also talking about media sensationalization of children like the film there's a lot of things I think Dean Fletcher yeah. did a fantastic job and I think the voice acting by Isabella Rossellini as the grandma and Jenny Slate as Marcel was spot on is so good so that's this is why the academy really needs to add a category for voice acting because the, wo-
0: the yes. voice in this
1: film is a great example of how of what voice acting is because i have said this
0: yes and i and i stand behind this because for some voice like i i love look when i did that panel like a year or two ago with the voice actors for that convention and i'm like i love that philomar had said something like voice acting is acting and people mm-hmm. have to stop looking down on it as like not being at the same level because what i can say is like voice acting is acting acting mm-hmm is not voice acting because exactly. when y'all depend on people seeing your face or playing off of the other person in the room and you don't have that and you take that away from people you, you will see how quickly people are not at the level that they think they are like they assume exactly. like a lot of people think that voice acting is just using their voice and like for some people it is for some people like we said the man who voices Bob's Burgers and Archer he doesn't change his voice but he changes his acting like that's like we honestly there's a lot of different ways that voice acting should be like rewarded and awarded for the skills and stuff because like even like no offense but like Keith Stanfield is not a voice actor in my Mm -hmm. opinion when he did the voice of the what is it Yasuke um, that Netflix miniseries it was terrible it it hurt my soul when I heard his him as the voice of Yasuke. People are like I didn't think he was that bad. I'm like he just sounds like Lakeith bored. He, he sounds bored. <laughs> he sounds yeah. emotionless. When they were torturing this man, he's like, oh, I'm like I didn't even
1: get past episode. What was it, episode two? I just cannot because first of all, I'm like this is not the this is not a
0: proper story or adaptation of the story of the real first well, Black samurai. And, and it's like, that's the voice- problem. And like, and here's my problem with it, because I even like you know one of we but. No, I'm not gonna put you through that. because I'm not gonna tell you, you have to watch it to say it. Because I said this, I'm like, it would have been fine if you left the giant robots out, right? It why are they have giant been... mechs? Why are they? And di- why are they? And women? they explain I... it. But they never talk about it in the show. Like, there's literally a title card at the beginning that explains how mechs and this magical system existed. And now I can think about, it, like, wasn't the whole point of this supposed to be the story about the black sam- the first Black samurai in it Japan in the feudal era? And y'all didn't do that. You no. didn't do that. You just made... Just I wish... No, and I think because how it was promoted, a lot of people just assumed, like I assumed when it was promoted, that it was going to be inspired by that story. That's what I thought. I'm like that's what thought. saying that this story was inspired by the first Black Samurai. I like, laugh at. I laugh Samurai. at that because y'all just it feels like you just took a black the, the, the story of the Black Samurai and you plugged it into this store this bigger story mm-hmm. of giant ancient mechs and a power system revolving around this little girl and all this other stuff like the Yasuke feels like a third doesn't even feel like the primary subject in his own show and you know I'm gonna stop now because basically I did not like it the animation is nice I don't know anyone who liked that anime I, I know some people that did it. I know some people who did but I just did not and I'm just like all of my when people like you're right I'm like yeah I know I am <laughs> I'm just, but you know, some people some people like to see that kind of stuff. They like to see the juxtaposition of like historical things like samurai mm-hmm. with giant robots and there's no shade there, but I'm just like, if the point of this was to like to create a story inspired by Yasuke, I just feel like y'all failed at it that. You way. failed at that because you just, mm-hmm. his story is great and impressive and eye-catching on its own and there's glimpses of that, but then y'all just just shit it all over the rest of it sorry uh, that is meant to be an example not a review but anyways y'all go watch Marcel the show I think I'm gonna watch it now um based off of your review it looks it sounds it's, so adorable
1: it's so cute you're just like watching me you're, like, you watch you're like oh and then you watching it oh my god oh Marcel is adorable like you know there's sometimes when you watch a film or, or something or animated, animated you just like, I wish this character was real because you just want to yeah, I'm like I, I if Marcel and and his, and his grandma Connie and all of their friends and stuff were real, I'm like I would have you live with me, Marcel. You were like the bestest and the sweetest and the cutest shell ever, and I'm just like, oh, it's adorable. I was, I was like, I wish Marcel was real because I would like, I would like hang out with Marcel. I could That's just see you and Marcel,
0: it. her like them on your shoulder, just. I, hanging
1: so I have a little Marcel on my shoulder walking around I, I wish they I don't know if they will ever do a Funko but I, I wish they would do a Funko of Marcel I feel Michelle. like it's somebody funny. on Etsy
0: you know what I feel like somebody on Etsy has to be making little Marcells for people Probably. like it's, so it's a cute. shell with a googly eye and yeah see, and, and it
1: looks like a telescope the eye looks like a telescope and he
0: has these little orange and
1: white sneakers yeah. um but that's it for my film so then we'll talk about um shows so yeah. what show we'll talk about your show first and then we'll talk about my show first. so what show will you talk about today
0: i have two that i'll be very brief because one is completed and i'm going to give some spoilers in it because i have many thoughts and the other one's still ongoing but um reasonable doubt uh don't Ooh, know have you heard i was actually
1: going to talk about that but i decided to talk about another show instead. well you
0: can join in this discussion unless mm-hmm. you want you want me to save this one and we do that one towards the end
1: Yes. Let's do that. Okay.
0: So I'll just, I'll, we'll come back to that one. Alaska daily on mm. it's on ABC, but uh, I, you can also watch it on Hulu because they're all owned by the same company anyways. But anyways, Alaska daily is about is from the mind of Tom McCarthy um, spotlight. So if y'all are familiar with the spotlight mm. film, it's in the similar, similar scope. Um, Alaska daily stars, Hillary Squink as Eileen Fitzgerald, a fiercely talented, and award-winning investigative journalist who leaves her high-profile New York life behind after a fall from grace to join a daily metro newspaper in Anchorage, Alaska, on a journey to find both personal and professional redemption. So I will say, again, I, this the story and the plot of Alaska Daily has kind of like surprised me of how deep they're going with this because the in the synopsis, you don't hear any of this, but like she goes to Alaska and she's brought there and recruited basically because they're like indigenous women are like going missing at a higher rate, which if anybody, if you've read the newspaper, if you know these statistics, yes. Indigenous women, like uh, specifically indigenous Alaska women are at a much higher rate that go missing or kidnapped or found dead than white women. And it's, it is appalling. And I'm sorry, I said Alaska, I meant indigenous native women. So not just Alaska, but like across the United States, it's, it's, it is terrible. So the film's really highlighting that issue. And it's like, it's not, and I'm not gonna lie, there was this hesitation in me because I'm like, I was worried this was going to be for shock value or something, but I will say this show has been doing a really good job of handling it with a lot of professionalism. And the whole point that they're trying to make is like, this is a systematic problem. And it, and they continue, they continue to show like if they, the police failed these people, the, um the justice system failed these people like it's highlighting all these other ways, which like basically, yeah, look in the mirror, like if people, like, and, and, like, people even say, like, no, like, this isn't, like, a high drama, I'm trying to think of a show, like, maybe Sons of Anarchy or stuff are like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, this, this doesn't happen every day, I'm like, no, 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 this happens, like, stuff mm-hmm. like this happened. women go missing, and are found dead, and people are just, like, uh, People, the police are assumed like, well, it's an open case and we're investigating, but you're not doing anything about it because y'all aren't actually doing the work to find these people. And exactly. they even the most recent episode. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because the mm-hmm. most recent episode impressed me because they ha- there was a young white girl who went missing, and then like one of the reporters talked about how two days ago the, the like this. Indigenous woman went missing, and no one and no one knew about Mm -hmm. it. And like the reporter bringing that up, made everybody in the newsroom shift the scope. They're like, we're not saying that no one should go look for this girl who just went missing. We're saying that look at how you treat and respond to the news of a young white girl going missing versus the news of an indigenous woman or woman of color in general going missing. And they're like, they basically said, like, because when as we know when we hear and see white women going missing, more sensationalized on the news than it being brought attention. Like when black women, brown women, women of any color are go missing, we are made to sound like criminals, unless we are exceptional. And like, that's kind of like their points. It's just like, they assume that like, oh, they assume the girls, like they're investigating, like the long plot of the film is, I mean, the show, They're like, well, she had a drug charge and she had this. So it's most likely that she had an overdose and she just wandered out. And like, how how would she wander out into the tundra? How would she go from 40 miles by herself? And she had to use crutches to walk. So it's like, they're highlighting all of these things. It's just like, there's clearly holes in your case and the police are not doing anything. And they're just basically, like they're showing it in a way where I feel like, I would hope after watching it, other people can understand like this is like, this isn't a fictional problem. This is a real problem that we have in the United States and in other countries. But it's like, yeah. And like, at, at the end of every episode, they call attention and they give like a call to action for people to learn more. So, yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's, it is, especially here in Canada. It's the same in the States and here in Canada mm-hmm. where like
0: Indigenous First Nations women
1: are they're killed or they go missing and like the police mm-hmm. and the government doesn't really do anything to look anything. for them like um there's uh, like anytime i see anything like that on my tl i always try to promote it and like let retweet mm-hmm. like the women like people from indigenous communities talking about that because like, even right now in canada there's um a suspected serial killer um going around killing indigenous women and right now there's um two women there's three women no, three women killed, two were nations, and one was white, but they're like, they have a suspect, but like, they, the suspects, they don't know where the bodies of the two indigenous women are, because he, he put their, he put their bodies in a landfill. So mm-hmm. like, he won't say exactly where and the government the police they're like, they're not even bothering to look for the bodies because they're like, oh, it'll be too difficult. And people are, and like people are protesting. So you have to look for them. You can't just leave them there. And you like right. people are like your job is to look for them. So like there's right now a big call to action for better mm-hmm. treatment of indigenous men for the police and the government to step in and look and to and to do this. And and then there's also a lot of human trafficking. Like there's um indigenous women and young girls are trafficked um sex trafficking and even drug trafficking throughout north america and Mm -hmm. earlier this year for um for africa we spoke to um she's a native american um boston she's a lightweight well while you were talking was looking it up because it ties into that and um her name is um callie reese and she wrote a film she co-wrote a film and starred in a film called cash of fear one which is about that which Mm -hmm. is about um this 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 fighter because basically the fighter is based on her own not her own experiences but like her own um history as a fighter and also an advocate and so she this she's playing this bot, this this boxer just like herself who who goes looking for her little sister who's been kidnapped and trafficked and like the police aren't doing anything for her and aren't doing anything to look for the sister because they're they're like, oh, she's been sex trafficked, so they're not gonna bother to look. And right. she's like, you can't, of course, they're not gonna find her if you're not looking, but then unfortunately, it's discovered that the sister has died. But then the film is also is uh, again, like the the show you're talking about, is a call to action. And it's and it's saying, like, we can't, we even while we can't save them, the ones who've already been lost, we can work to help save the ones who are who are still alive, and even for the ones who have been died, like, find yeah, justice for them, and mm-hmm. um, I'll put this in the show notes at the end, but, like, one of the websites that you can go on for that is um, mmiwg-ffada.ca, so that's, like, one of the websites you can go to to um to look and see the the av- different advocate groups and, and people who are working with this and for, with the police and doing, also searching on their own, mm-hmm. and you talk, that show you're talking about, there's another one, it's a Canadian production, that my sister is watching, and it's basically about the same thing, but it's not from the perspective of a, of a reporter, like Henry Smith's character, but this one is from the perspective, I think, of a private investigator. Yeah. Who police were ignoring these women going missing, and they only started to pay attention because a white girl went missing, right? So it's basically, mm-hmm. about, so it's Big Sky. Big yes. sky and the,
0: yes. I, I, do, I like this Big Sky, but like, to your point, like, yeah, there is like that whole thing too, of like, you see how urgent, people are to find this missing person but I will Mm. say Big Sky does a good job of like there's like they've gotten even more diverse like that was like the main case because it led to like a bigger plot and everything but it's like it's I like that the shows are being intentional with the topics that they're doing Mm. because I feel like in that past like shows like SVU like they're like a one and done episode like if you're gonna talk about these kind of issues I feel like you can't just wrap it in a bow neatly in two episodes. Like, I appreciate that, like, no, let's talk about the systematic issues and without it being a propaganda piece, like, and I think that's what makes um, Alaska Daily really good because it's being told from an investigative journalism side. And they're looking at the issue from all sides. And they even admit where they were at fault in the beginning because they reported on the, on the girl who they're investigating, um, And they said like, and they were like, yeah, we only did two articles on her. And like one of them mentioned how she had a drug charge and like they mentioned like, oh, because that was done by somebody who was who formerly ran the paper or whatever. But like the point is like they own that they messed that up. They Mm -hmm. own that they played a role in discrediting the victim and blaming her versus like from the beginning. And again, I know like this show can't may not change everything overnight, but I do think this is a great step in the right direction when we talk about women going missing, especially women of color going missing and how this is a larger issue than people think. Like it's not a fictional problem on TV. This is like sex trafficking, enslavement, murdering, like, org- like all this stuff happens and people want to act like, oh, it just happens on SVU. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. so anyways yeah I, I i like it a lot and I, I appreciate you sharing that link that people if people want to learn more about it okay. so then moving on to wrap things up your show
1: so my show is a british drama that mm. is showing on amazon Prime or prime tv is it prime tv prime video i never show never sure really which one it is it's prime video prime video it's called riches so like people are comparing mm-hmm. it to it's like secession but with a different angle of course it's about black people but this one the industry that is being discussed is the black beauty care industry oh and I love that this show is about black people one like people mm-hmm. say it's like the black succession. but to me it's not just a, the black secession
0: yeah like, no that seems like it, it doesn't have to be the black something it's this to be own good
1: thing it's this yeah. own thing because it's not about the stock market it's not about real estate it's not about cars it is something that Black people from mm-hmm. all walks of life and almost from all economic um, communities from all cr- across the diaspora can relate to. And this is Black hair and Black makeup. And like, we all know the struggle of Black yes. hair, But it talks it's, but it's going in from the behind the scenes of what it takes to run a, a, a company
0: that mm-hmm. is dedicated
1: for Black beauty and Black hair and Black yes. makeup and like the politics behind that. Mm-hmm. And um, this show was created and it's written by and executive produced by Abby Ajayi. And as I said, it's mm. British. So is everyone is British. Well, not everyone because some of the characters are played by American or American um, actress, actors with British and West Indian heritage and, and identity. So it stars uh, Deborah Ayurinde. So she was in another prime video series called Them and like yes, yes. I'm like yeah. I know that
0: name okay you know, yes like,
1: she is so stunningly beautiful like everybody in this show is like gorgeous
0: and, like, and can amazing. she not act and control the scene act down oh I'm my not gonna gosh. lie I'm not gonna lie I had to stop watching them after I the burlap sure. I I after the burlap scene but like it was it hard because like lot. she makes that series for me mm-hmm. but sorry go on
1: no no I, I agree with you I could not complete them either because it's
0: so much black trauma and yep. even if you take the black on it's just so traumatic it's it's, it's traumatic system. no matter what but like adding on like this is something that actually happened in history I'm like I can't do it yeah I, I can't do it I'm and, not in the space this,
1: <laughs> no and, and this show like she acted her she had excuse my name, but she acted her ass off in them and mm-hmm. like to, I love when we talk about the duality or the this the variety of Roles that black actresses can play. I would also compare her. After watching her in them and then the transition over to mm-hmm. Riches, she's to me very similar to Daniel Deadweiler. If we're going to use a, a more recent comparison, in that the, okay, so now I'm going to give a comparison between her and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> as I said, when I watch him in any role, I only see Ryan Reynolds. Right. I forgot when I was watching Riches that the person I was watching was Deborah Irene. I completely mm. forgot like she is her character Nina Richards like the, I don't see Deborah playing this role I'm seeing Nina playing this role and it's the same for all the actresses actresses and actress playing this role yeah so, it's also stars Sarah Niles as Claudia Richards and CJ Beckford as Andre Scott Clark and Arienka um, Akarinde, Akarinade and like the and this is another thing all of the names you're hearing are West African and South African names and I love that too so mm-hmm. this is also, this is film is, a, this show is about Black representation, Black West Indian representation, Black diasporic representation, and mm. Black African representation. Because I I watched this show and I just kept hearing different West Indian accents, including Bajan accent. And like Sarah Niles, who plays Claudia, like she has, she has Bajan ancestry. I think she, her family is Bajan. So like when she was like, something she would slip from the British accent and like the Beijing dialect like was slipping, and it would be. But I was so happy to hear that. But the, the whole thing with this show is it. Ta- it talks about yes, they're here in beauty industry, but it talks about different challenges that different Black people have. Yes, yeah. they're wealthy, and yes, they have, uh, they have. Uh, they have. they have. They see the world differently, and that's another thing the show does really well. It shows that yes, Black people are. They still have to face racism and misogyny and anti-blackness. But then there's also the, this whole discussion of class where even yeah. black people, black rich people still don't necessarily see the world from a, a,
0: a, the same position that black people who are not wealthy. You know, it's right. that have privilege of wealth. It's like not that afflu- someone calls it affluenza. Affluenza, right? Yeah. But
1: so the film tackles like, yes, we all face
0: different ch- the same challenges as black
1: people. But when you're from different economic, socioeconomic backgrounds, you don't face the same challenges that way. So the mm-hmm. film does that. And the show, I keep saying film, but the show does that really, really well. And Nina and, and Claudia, they have this, oh, they're they, they are like cats. Like anytime they get together, they're like two. And I love that because the scenes between them, like Deborah and Sarah, like they, they nail these scenes. Mm-hmm. And you just want to be like, fight, fight, fight. And the reason you just, like, fight, fight, because they just go all out in these scenes. But another thing that I'll discuss, well, I'm going to wrap up now, but one of the things that I really love about this show, like, I um, interviewed them during Africa, and I'll link that as well, was one of the characters, Alicia, as I said, played by Adyinka, she's mm-hmm. dyslexic. And so, like, as you know, I'm dyslexic, and I have cognitive impairment. So this was the second time in my entire life that I've ever seen a dyslexic character characterized on a major TV production. The first character was Spock in um, Star Trek: Discovery. So, like in the second season, we discovered that Spock, that people have always considered Spock to be neurodivergent, but mm-hmm. in the second series, um, second season of Star Trek: Discovery, it was discussed that he's actually dyslexic, and like that was the first time I saw an adult character with dyslexic portrayed on screen. And this now, this time, I'm seeing as as is a, a black woman and a dark-skinned Black woman, and mm-hmm. it talks about the insecurities that people with dyslexia um, have, because sometimes we doubt ourselves, we doubt our capabilities, and they, we, we we feel something like our families don't necessarily trust us, or trust our judgment, or believe that we have the intelligence and the know-how to get certain things do. so the character of Alicia, she goes through those same struggles, like, I'm like, I'm watching her in these sub scenes, and I'm like, this is me, I've had the same conversation in my head, I've had the same conversation with different people in my family. And another thing that it really touches on is when we're under stress, people with dyslexia or cognitive impairment, when we're under stress, it actually exacerbates our symptoms. Mm -hmm. And it can make it, and it actually makes it harder for us to read and process information that way. So the the show also touches on that. And I am so happy to get to see this character, not only because she's dark-skinned and black, but I'm also like, this is a neurodivergency. This is something that's not, like dyslexia is a, neurodivergent yeah. condition that is not covered in media at all as I said I'm 39 years old and this is only the second time in my entire life I've seen it happen in tv show and the only the person I've seen it in a film was one of the small ass films by Steve McQueen he did a, a uh-huh. film series last year and on one of the films we talked about a little boy who was dyslexic and it and I understood from that perspective so I'm like this is this is what representation is because sometimes when we talk about neurodivergency in media people mm-hmm. almost talk about autism or, you know, are being on the spectrum. But I'm like, yeah, like people who are dyslexic are also on the spectrum, just like you're on a different end, but no one really talks about that in media because forgive me for saying this, but sometimes I feel like people discuss um, autism because for them, it's like a trendy thing to talk about. And this is like coming from writers who may not necessarily be autistic, but this is the, when they, if they want to talk about neurodivergency representation, they're like, okay, if you want a, a character who's neurodivergent, what's the What's this, um, syndrome you are going to give them? Autism, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one is going to think about dyslexia or no one is gonna or no one is going to add in someone who's cognitive who has cognitive impairment no one's going to talk about someone who has yeah. MS or brain is our brain dysfunction or like that's so I was so happy to see that
0: yeah because neurodivergence is like something that's not that it's new I think the conversations people are having about it are newer mm-hmm. and there needs to be this nuance when we talk about it and people need to understand like what is neurodivergent like mm-hmm. um I might my, my sister be like having done special education teaching and like training with students like I've learned a lot from her where it's just like you can have student like and I'm not saying normal in any sense of degrading anyone but it's just like yeah. and you quoting her it's like there have been teachers at school she's taught at who feel like they think the child looks normal and they just like are trying to do everything and then like she has as a teacher's age she's had to speak I'm, like no this is one of my students that I have to like work with and help them take the test because it's like yeah they can be just as engaging and responsive like neurodivergency is so broad Mm -hmm. and it's not just one thing and I feel like the conversations we need to have about it needs to be more broad but not in this sense of like lumping them all together to like make it like you can't just say like oh that character's neurodivergent but like you don't go into like okay well how Like how, what are the challenges that they face? Is it that they have this, like you said, is it dyslexia? Is it like a social setting thing? Is it like even um, sensory, like like, loud sounds or like sensory is one that people are talking about more now where it's like, you can have a child who's, if you put them in a setting where like, it's too loud for them, they just shut down. Yep. And like, and like, if people are, not don't know how to interact with them or communicate with them or help them, I feel like we're doing them a disservice. So it's like, yeah, don't just say neurodivergence or just give them autism and then just be like, oh, but they're just quiet the entire time. And like mm-hmm. that child doesn't do anything. And I hate when TV does the thing of like, oh, they're magically cured. Right.
1: It's just- or they are, or, or another thing that they do, and if this is, and I'm starting to see it more in, um, like. And it bugs me. And mm-hmm. just, like, they have this thing like, okay, if you're neurodivergent, you have to be exceptional. And another right. example of that is like, okay, like you have the show The Good Doctor, which is based on a Korean drama. Yeah. And then most recently another Korean drama called Extraordinary Attorney Boo. Mm-hmm. And so this is these both of these characters in both of these dramas are autistic. And, mm-hmm. and this is pretty, I find not specifically very North American uh, thing they do is like okay we have these characters who are, are neurodivergent or they are autistic as I said this is the most popular quote-unquote um of divergent CBC in media they have to be exceptional as in their as are savants at yes. whatever they do so in doc in the doctor he's medical so like they he does they he's like a savant of medicine you know like he's exceptionally intelligent and mm-hmm. like which a lot of people on the spectrum are. But like this is the only way for them to be portraying me, where you have in order to accept them or to understand them, like they have to be above average or above everyone else or above everyone else on on the spectrum. Yeah, attorney Wu, she's she's an exceptional attorney. She's an exceptional legal mind, and that's not what neurodivergency is. I know people who are autistic who are not quote unquote savants,
0: right? Because it shouldn't just be that like oh because like you say with the good doctor people underestimate him or they question his methods because I've seen a few episodes with my sister and I'm just like you know it's not because I see what they're trying to say but I do feel like there's this false they're not false there's like this negative narrative that can come about from that like you're saying like with the um the lawyer show I've I've seen the trailers for that one too because you're right like it shouldn't Be that like people have to be exceptional because I feel like that kind of feeds off of like if you're a person of color, you need to be twice as good to be deemed acceptable in this field. It should just be, you should just, it should just be like they are here in this field and they know what they're doing. And that's it.
1: (laughs) Why do they have to be, why do they have to have like, for instance, the intelligence level of Albert Einstein? to be accepted by everyone else. Why can't they just have like quote unquote average intelligence? They're autistic, but they also have average intelligence. Why can't they just do their
0: job well? And you don't have to explain it as as they're a genius. Right. They're not a secret genius. Like they could just be good at their job because that's why they're here. They're qualified Mm -hmm. for their job.
1: Right. Like for me, my own personal experience, like I was diagnosed with dyslexia at, um, I think it was, my mom said it was, I I was in primary school too, so I was around seven or eight years old. And mm-hmm. like the reason I even got di- diagnosed with dyslexia, like people, they thought, and before it was diagnosed, they had put me into, um and even afterwards, they put me into the classrooms with the, the kids who were considered to have behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. And they put me into the, the classrooms with kids who were um severely autistic or kids who were nonverbal or kids who were like, um, who had like physical or what we would call, now we don't say, now we say they're version, but back then they called it intellectual disabilities. So like, you know, so I would be the only, I was like one of the only kids in the classroom who was verbal. Mm-hmm. So I was in a classroom with a lot of kids who were nonverbal, who could not talk or who had physical disabilities, who couldn't, who were in wheelchairs, some kids who had cerebral palsy. And then even, and then afterward I was diagnosed they put me into a class for the kids, quote unquote, dumpsy kids. That's what they used to call it too, the dumpsy kids. Mm-hmm. And it, and it would be. And the reason I was put into that class was because not that I didn't know the word, because I would fail at doing tests. Like I I suck <laughs> at doing tests. And the reason I would suck at doing tests is because no, I didn't have accommodations. People did. They didn't. Yeah. No, we understand what having accommodations to do tests was. Mm-hmm. But back then, even up until secondary school, I didn't have accommodations to do tests. So I would I wouldn't be able to complete a full test or because I needed more t- I, because I needed more time to complete a test but back then they didn't offer accommodations you know and I would be expected to do the same level of work at mm-hmm. in the same space of time as other people so because I had bad grades they put me into the classroom with, st- with students who would constantly work who and a lot of us were not, we weren't stupid but it's just like again the system didn't know how to work with kids who were neurodivergent or who had like learning disabilities like this um, some kids that were like me were like dyslexic or some kids were autistic but like it wasn't understood then and so like and so like for me like like you guys know I've talked about this before I just done this I stutter when I'm stressed I stutter or I forget my words I repeat myself a lot or I lose my train of thought and a lot of that is part of it is the cognitive impairment from the MS Mm but some of that is from the dyslexia too like with the dyslexia like sometimes I if I'm reading something You can't ask me to read something and then tell me to recite it at the same time. I need to read it first to get an idea of what I'm reading and then I'll be able to read it out loud. Don't ask me to, give me some piece of paper and tell me, read this now. I'm like, I cannot (laughs) because I need to take time to process what I'm reading. So so again, so like, so it's like the same thing is also discussed within the same show, Like, There's a scene similar to that with Alicia where she has kind of the same situation. And then another thing that I really loved is like Alicia begins working with Nina and she, is hesitant to tell anina that she's dyslexic and but when she does she's like i don't she's like i don't and she's like i don't i can't do all of this anina just straight up says well then hire an executive assistant she's like "Get." she's like i'm gonna work with you on this she's like, i'm not gonna ask you to work with me i'm gonna i'm gonna work with you to make her job easier for you she's like if you need help hire an executive assistant if you need to hire two executive assistants you know and that's that's what accommodation is mm-hmm. and that's just easy that's what acceptance should look like acceptance was wasn't uh, like nina saying she needed alicia to prove that she was exceptional before she started to accommodate her she like she should yeah. okay i'll be accommodating for you so we went on a, bit, a little bit longer but like that's like for me the show just like that's such a important aspect of the show for me and it was so unexpected and i love that mm-hmm. Abby did that for me and um and for other people who are an, uh, other black women of course who are dyslexic and we aren't this, and that's another thing. When we talk about neurodivergency in media, very usually it's often white people. <laughs> you know, we don't see neurodivergency in media and on screen discussed from a, a, a black perspective or a black female perspective. Yeah, so that's it's rare.
0: It's very rare. rare. Like, and when it's done, it's like it's just appalling maybe what we can start doing and like i'm having an idea for us to like maybe have bonus episodes of doing something like this but like Mm -hmm. having specific topics like neurodivergency in film and television Mm -hmm. and like examples because like we can definitely go in especially when we talk about black people examples Mm -hmm. like do y'all remember losing isaiah oh yes oh i i was just like looking back on it it's just it hurts It hurts and granted, but like I feel like they it's written to show like that's how it was back then. Think about how many young black children were misdiagnosed with behavioral problems, but they were neurodivergent and didn't get the help that they needed. So, anyways, keep an eye out for bonus episodes and we could just probably we can't we can delve into more stuff like we were talking about before with like how these shows use um sex trafficking and like issues for women of color Mm -hmm. and like the stark contrast and like how it's being done well and when it's not being done well so I think that's something we can dive into more because it's it's worth having the conversation yes
1: yes for sure let's do that that's yes. something we'll look into for doing for the new year because it is yes. December it's the end of 2022 yes. now, this year has felt like it lasted two and a half years but we've made it to the end of 22 so, so that's like another thing we can do for for 2023's people so as Nisha said yes look out for that Yes, for sure. But with that, this is the end of our October, yes. November, December. <laughs> well, no, this is our December so it's Our October, November.
0: Well, at this point, we kind of just accepted that, like, we don't necessarily have to call the episodes by months. It's just that, know, like right? when we record. What did you watch in the last thirty days? <laughs> and and that's last it. One.
1: Last sixty days, because like one of the films that I said, Project Wolf Hunting, I saw at Tiff, which was in twenty twenty, uh, which was
0: in September. So yeah. It's all good. It all works. Y'all know all- we trying to do our part and do better. Exactly. <laughs> but you we appreciate like y'all this. riding with us for 2022. We look forward to going into 2023 with more things and new ideas. And just, you know, watch something good. Enjoy it. Look, this is the time of the year where, like, y'all saw my post. I You will find me in my onesies. I will be in my Pokemon onesies, playing my game, reading my books, or or, play, or watching movies for the mm-hmm. remainder of the year and I hope that everybody else takes the time to rest too because it's been a year
1: very much so I'm so busy like this year has felt like I was talking to a friend today on Twitter like 20 I remember a lot of us were saying 2019 felt like it lasted two three years yes but from 2020 to now it's been all just one big blur so mm-hmm. it's felt like the last few years has felt like almost like a decade like it's so it's like keeping track of any like, we made it to the end of this year amen hallelujah praise the lord thank god we did like, we made it we made it like we've done so much and i think i'm so proud of us nisha we've done so much and gotten so much accomplished in this yes. last year we thanks everyone all of our listeners veterans and new who've been with us and who's been sticking by us and listening to mm-hmm. us talk and sharing our thoughts and opinions and it's just been great and this is also another great episode so, we will wrap up here and I will. I I kind of rambled the last time in the Wakanda Forever Recap. So, I will do a short one and then we'll have Nisha and Duff. So, for mm. me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie 12. That's C R I E C N H 12. Visit my, a, my all three page as A U T H O R Y dot com slash Carolyn Hines, so my full name, and find links to my most recent um, reviews, videos, podcast episodes. All three did this thing where they, you can kind of link all of your work from different um, platforms and you can just go there and find the YouTube videos as well as to the podcast episodes for sure so here's what happened there um I recently did a review of strange world which is a D- Disney animation cartoon mm. I called it literally Disney's most racially gender and body diverse animated cartoon look people of all sex like the character of Merenium who's the mom, played by Gabrielle as a and she's dark skin and with natural hair, I through. I'm like, dark okay skin. now, Right? I was like, look at her; she's like a bomb. And so, I uh, so like yeah, you can find those and that reviews on PieroWait.com. You can go there, read that. And usually, for my my most recent episodes, interviews, um, and reviews and whatever, you can find also on my pin tweets and in Instagram. And I am done. Nisha, tell the people where they can find you and what you've done recently.
0: Yeah, so y'all can find me, as usual, on Nisha Plays. I mean, at Nisha Plays. That's at N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S. And that's typically on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok. Um, What I've done recently, honestly, survived. I'm doing fine. I survived my second to last semester of grad school. I'm very happy that I am one step closer to getting my MBA. I'm proud of that, but I am working on some new things in 2023, hoping to get more involved in panels for some anime cons coming up. I will be going to DreamCon in July. So Mm y'all can look out for that. I'll have more stuff to talk about. And honestly, nothing else, but I'm working on some projects that I'm hoping to share with y'all one day while I have some downtime. And, oh, sorry, of course, y'all can definitely check out my reviews of Urusei Yatsura on ButWhyThough.net. It's uh, the series that I'm currently following on High Dive. It's great, and it's very refreshing from, like, it's a reboot of an original series from Back in the day, I'll go into it more once like the once it completes, or like maybe in our next episode, I'll talk about it more. But I have been enjoying it so much. I might do a think piece on it. But yeah, that's where y'all can find me. Hey, and let me
1: see for next year. I'm hoping to go to Comic Con. I don't know finances. People pray pray for my finances because this mm-hmm. is someone says to what approach to go for our birthday. Pray, it like,
0: So what? So here's what happened. PayPal. If y'all want to help, right. Wait, we got a PayPal account? we that's where the money goes it's on our twitter the link is there and it still works yes
1: yes people donate to our paypal
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean hey I somebody's don- don- but
1: yes we should start I mean, mentioning that more somebody's
0: donations have helped paid for at least the our um audio not audio but like you know our podcast maintenance mm-hmm. fees for at least two months Yes, not consistently exactly. but we
1: appreciate it look we I, can start promoting that more on uh, on our tweets and stuff i'm gonna do. start doing it i'll be like yeah, I'll, when i post the episode links on my twitter and instagram i'll also be saying and
0: donate to our paypal <laughs> yes we will look you you want a producer credit on the show that is how you can get a producer credit on this show a co-producer credit. a co-producer credit yes everybody's gonna be a producer 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 <laughs> no but for real we mean it if y'all would like to get a co-producer credit and help support our show every bit counts and it's greatly appreciated
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thank you so much and until the next episode everyone
0: stay safe bye, bye.